0: it was getting a little dodgy in the middle part, but then that
1: finale, <laughs> wow! Hello and welcome to Two for One, where we discuss two movies uh, based around the same source material. I'm Claire.
2: And I'm David. So today we're going to be talking about two versions of the movie Death at a Funeral, The first version we're covering, which came out in 2007, follows a British man hosting a funeral for his recently departed father. The man navigates logistical difficulties, financial challenges, family drama, and more as he attempts to get himself and his family through the funeral in one piece. Death at a Funeral was written by Dean Craig and directed by Frank Oz. The movie was remade just three years later in 2010, taking place in Los Angeles and featuring a mostly black American cast. Dean Craig once again served as the screenwriter, with Neil LeBute replacing Oz as director. The movie is a beat for beat remake, though not quite word for word, with the most significant change being the aforementioned relocation to the United States. All of the roles are identical. The characters, been renamed and recast, with one exception that we'll talk about in just a moment. I'm really excited to get started. This is another big ensemble, so uh, we thought instead of boring you by listing out each cast member individually and then the actors that played them, uh, what we're going to do is go through each role one at a time and have a little mini discussion about their storyline and any notable differences in their portrayals uh, between the 2000 and 2000 excuse me, 2007 and 2010 movies. The motion picture teleplay was uh, respectful and exhibited tastefulness and class. What made you an expert all of a sudden? The one thing that struck me immediately, we literally watched these movies back to back, and when we got to the first scene of the remake, it's the same beats, and it's the same beats throughout the movie, but the remake would squeeze in, like, two or three jokes, whereas I think the British original would just present the situation, it's funny, and then let the silence take over or, like, move on a little bit quicker. Uh, And I think that's really exemplified, like, in the very first scene when they're looking at, they bring in uh, the father's coffin and it's very somber, somber? Somber. So they bring in the coffin and it's a very somber moment the main character takes a look at his father and says, this isn't my father. And so in the original...
1: It just breaks from the, yeah, the music and the tone to just, that's not my dad.
0: Just uh, straight through there, to the left.
2: Okay. If we really played the whole clip, it'd just be almost a full minute of silence because the main character, he's greeting the hearse and standing back while they arrange in the room and it's building up that tone that we're talking about Uh, and then the funeral director asks him if he wants to see the body
0: Would you like to um... Who's this?
2: Pardon me? That's
0: not my father. Oh, shit, we've taken the wrong one. Um, really sorry about that so We'll go back and get him. <laughs> Jesus.
1: Yeah, very much like a waiter who brought you the wrong yeah. dinner, you know? And it's
2: very funny. And then in the remake, the main character looks at... His father and then says that's not my father and then there's like a big argument between the main character and the funeral director who has a slightly bigger role because it's kevin hart and they go back and forth and trade like a series of jokes about what's going on
0: Uh, would you like to see before you know yeah Brian, who's this? You know, I asked myself the same thing when my dad passed. I said, who is this man? No, no, Brian, who's this in the coffin? Because that's not my father. Are you sure? Are you asking me if I'm sure I know what my father looks like? No, people make mistakes in a time of grief. Look at the damn body, man. Oh, shit. You got Jackie Chan in there. Okay, listen. Come on, Brian. You know what my father looks like. We were very scattered today. This type of thing almost never happens. Almost never happens? I said that out loud. This is not Burger King. You can't just mess up my order. Please just calm down. I think I know where he is. You think? If my dad's not in this coffin in one hour, then you have to take his place. You got it? Don't worry. I'll get him back. I promise that. He's, he's in one or two places. I think it's the second place. Listen. Okay, guys. Let's, let's pack this up. Close this. Let's go. Let's get out of here. Wait a minute. Before we move. Okay. Did I get you my keys? No. they in the car. I left the damn keys in the car. Let's go, guys. I think it's on.
2: Uh, so it's just, it takes about the same amount of time. And it's, they're both pretty funny. You know, so I'm not saying like one is uh, superior. I have a theory
1: about that.
2: Mm-hmm. I
1: agree generally with what you're saying that the US version tried to squeeze in a few more jokes. Yeah. But I think that's only in certain cases and certain actors performances. Mm -hmm. And I think with Kevin Hart, that's what he does. But this was in 2010. So I wonder how much he pushed to make his scene bigger. I've I'm in literally the opening scene. And that's it. He's not at the funeral. And so I wonder if that was like a very, if he just did a really good job of making his scene meatier than it actually was in order to get more name and face recognition as he was building his career back then.
2: Yeah, no, I think uh, there's probably something to that. I also, we were talking about, like, whether the American version was more unscripted, like, whether they were allowed to improvise a little bit more. We got Kevin Hart and Chris Rock, let's just let them go for a minute, you know, and that's how you end up with, like, this these jokes flying back and forth. So I don't know how much of that was in the second version of the script that they made into the American movie or just because they got all these phenomenal comedic actors. Yeah. I mean, I guess along the same lines, uh, I think the American version was like a little bit less subtle. The same scene would happen with the same dialogue, but then there would be something that the actor was doing to make it like just a little bit more clear like what they were trying to do with that scene and i was i'm thinking of one example in particular where the character is like shitting on another one He he like read the main character's novel and was like some people can write and some people can't and in the american version he literally was pointing at the guy that he was talking yes. about and it's like we got it but that was very much like the way that it approached things it was like we're gonna throw subtlety out the window
1: Yeah, there were a couple more lines of dialogue that served just as explanation for the viewer. Like, we weren't left to infer things. The one line I was thinking about, which I commented on as we watched it, was in the American version, and I don't know if this is a cultural difference, if it's less common to have funerals in a home in America, but Chris Rock is definitely like, in my dad's will, he insisted that we have the funeral here at home, and it's like,
2: Like, it had to be explained. It seemed like
1: it served to be an explanation for, like, why is this happening here? But maybe that's just because that's not something I'm used to when it comes to funerals. Maybe it's more common in other regions of the U.S. I don't know.
2: Yeah, I mean, I didn't really question it until we talked about it. Mm -hmm. Uh, But then I was like, yeah, I I don't know about funerals at houses. But I also don't go to a lot of funerals, so maybe I just don't know. Anyway, those are just kind of general vibes, but really, these are very similar movies. And. So even,
1: similar. More similar than anything we've
2: Yeah. And even, even when the dialogue is a little bit different or when they squeeze in a few more jokes, it'll be like they'll have an identical line and then they'll just like do two jokes after that and then they'll move to the next scene, which will have like the identical dialogue or yes. very close to it or something like
1: that. I yeah. mean, it felt like, as David said, we actually watched these both in one night, which you can do. They're only an hour and a half long.
2: Mm-hmm. And it
1: felt very much like we finished a movie rewound it to the beginning and watched it again like i will struggle to come up with what exactly was different as we go through these characters they're almost
2: identical in length too like the british one is 90 minutes long and the american one is 92 minutes long i think or 94 or something like that they really like every scene takes about the same amount of time as the scene in the other movie and the same scenes are in there uh it's they're they're really very similar but Let's let's move on to the characters and their portrayals.
1: And we're basically gonna do away with names because they change the names of all these characters for no reason.
2: Name. Like <laughs> right? why? Right, because everything
1: else is the same.
2: It's the same <laughs> same plot, but they change the names. Yeah.
1: But the main character who is hosting the funeral in his home, or I should say, the home that he and his wife have been sharing with his parents. He is Daniel in the British version, played by Matthew McFadden, and his name is Aaron in the American version, played by Chris Rock. So his role is just to be the stressed out host who is having to pay for this funeral, having to give the eulogy. The eulogy is a big part because his brother is a famous writer and everyone attending the funeral kind of expects the writer to give the eulogy and they're consistently disappointed when they find out that it's the main character giving it as well. And then there's an added pressure that they want to be moving out of the house, him and his wife. Part of the many pressures you feel coming down on this guy is that he needs to put down the payment or whatever in order to get the ball rolling on moving out of the house so he's juggling all of that
2: yeah that's the first the first thing that he that we see that he's dealing with i mean so after the scene where the father comes in and it's not really him you get a scene of the husband and wife are discussing their financial problems and then yeah like there's there's a whole cascade of problems that stem from how other people are behaving at the funeral there's his relationship with his brother yeah everything that happens later just all this all this drama that he's dealing with on top of like grieving yeah Uh, and he doesn't really get enough time to grieve at the funeral because he's so stressed out and he's characters are constantly coming up to him and saying like i need to talk to you for a minute like can you do help me deal with this and he's like no i can't you know did you have thoughts on who does that role best
1: yeah so matthew McFadden might be best known as mr darcy uh, so you sort of have this sense of him being a very reserved person and seeing him be afraid to speak up and everything and nervous about giving his speech seemed very believable to me. Um, and I really felt all of the pressures that were coming down on him. And there's this important moment where he snaps. He finally makes a decision that he's not going to let people push him around. I bought it maybe more with him than, with I, than I did with Chris Rock, which is too bad because I, I find Chris Rock very funny. And I think he was familiar with the British version and I wonder if he was trying to capture more of that reserved, I've got a lot of pressures on me persona and maybe held back his Chris Rock, outspoken comedian, legitimate personality a bit in what he brought to the character. But what do you think?
2: I don't know because I think uh, I think he struck a good balance between like the Chris Rock from the 90s and the 2000s when he was really really huge but then on the other hand i feel like he's been in movies recently where he's more reserved and more like like showing that the weight of the world is on his shoulders and stuff like wasn't there some adam sandler movie that like that was the whole premise he was like hosting adam sandler yeah and just like the pressure of hosting this guy and i feel like he was really good in that and so when we were watching the british version all of a sudden i remembered well yeah, it's Chris Rock that is doing this. He's going to be great. And I thought he was yeah. great. To go back to like what the difference in tone between these movies uh, was, you're right that I think Matthew McFadden was more reserved. And that the whole tone of the movie was more reserved. Chris Rock, I felt like he was able to show the pressure that was on him, but also be a little punchier with the jokes and have fun interactions with, with everybody else. And obviously it's it's easier for us i think culturally and so much easier to understand the american actors yeah like uh, but that
1: was more apparent with other characters i think i mean i understood everything matthew McFadden said yeah that's not the case for everyone else in the british version well what do you want to talk about more with the main character his relationship with his wife or his relationship with his brother because i think they're both slightly different
2: well, so I don't think the relationship with the wife was that important in either movie. Like, th- she's introduced, like, second of all the people at the funeral, but she actually doesn't turn out to be that important of a character. Oh, she's
1: so unimportant of a character. The wife is played in the British version by Keely Hawes, and in the American version by Regina Hall. The only thing that I think is worth noting about the wife is in the American version, they're also trying to conceive, Yeah. which gives you one of the few comedic lines that's different in the American version when Chris Rock is having to run around because there's some added, you know, mishap in the funeral. And Regina Hall walks up to him and he goes, no, I cannot have sex with you right now. I was, it was well delivered. It was funny and unexpected. That was
2: a yeah, that was kind of a funny subplot. It it's it was a little weird, I thought, because in the British version he had all these pressures and responsibilities, and then the American version is like, we're gonna just give him one more, you know? Yeah, it seemed a
1: little like adding on for no reason. Yeah,
2: but then I think maybe the reason that they did it is just so they could have some of that comedy of, you know, the wife running around trying to have sex with him all day. I
1: think it also was the pregnancy Subplot helped to actually explain the relationship between the main character's wife and the main character's mother because they have a tense relationship in both movies. But in the British version, those were two of the characters that I understood least what they were saying. Keely Hawes' character and Jane Asher plays the main character's mother.
2: In the British version.
1: Yeah, in the British version. I barely understood.
2: She wasn't in it as much. I feel like the American mother also had a a bigger role.
1: And I think that's partly because the mother in the American version is played by Loretta Devine, who's a more recognizable actress. Well, I shouldn't say that. I'm just not familiar with British actors. For us, yeah.
0: yeah.
1: But Loretta Devine's character is always just like, well, I'm waiting on having a grandchild and everything. Yeah. So you get the sense of, okay, this is why the main character's wife can't stand this woman and is ready to get out of the house Yeah. live somewhere else.
2: Yeah, I think there's a little bit more generational conflict in the American version. Not to say that it's not there in the British version. It's just not really relevant to the main character. Is that fair to say? I mean, and it seems like they, the brothers had a problem or separate problems with their father, but that's not really explored at all.
1: Yeah, well, the father is really not, I think that could help with This story, if you want them to have a lot of pressures, is maybe explain what their relationship with their father was Uh a little bit more. But you get very little of that. But yeah, let's talk about the brothers. The main character has a brother, and David, I'll let you explain his role and who plays him.
2: The brother is a semi-successful writer, at least, living in New York. It's sort of unclear whether they're critically successful or financially successful or neither or both. But either way they've gotten published and uh everybody's always talking about you know this fantastical lifestyle that they're living in new york like they made it you know from london or from from the uk versus from los angeles but they're both in new york uh so in the british version that brother is played by rupert graves who I think we've talked about before because he was in Emma. We loved
1: him as Mister Mister Weston. He, yeah,
2: Emma. <laughs> he's he's very funny in the 2020 version of Emma, and uh, he's also in Sherlock. Right, he's
1: right. He's the police person.
2: Yeah, who's sort of friends with Sherlock. Whose name escapes me right now, but uh, yes, he he's good in Sherlock as well. Uh, in the American version, the brother is Martin Lawrence, who. I don't think I need to explain who he is. <laughs> I thought the characters here were a little bit different. Again, I think the American version is more explicit about some things and it makes him makes the brother a little bit more explicitly dickish. Hmm. But they're both kind of like pompous, right? And egotistical.
1: Yeah, they definitely are. I think that it was pretty explicit in both movies and I thought it was done differently how he was a dick. In the British version he's so clearly an awful brother and like mean to his brother and in the American version he seemed more like a skeezy awful person.
2: Yeah, yeah. Well I wouldn't say I think in the British version he was like he acted like he was above his brother. It wasn't like outright meanness, but he had just this air of I'm successful and like by even being here, I'm doing everybody a favor, you know? And a lot of the conflict between the two brothers stems from um, the main character has paid for the funeral and apparently prior to the funeral got a big got a promise that the brother was going to um,
1: pay for half pay
2: for half of it and then when he gets there he says like oh i can't give that to you right now you know like the money is not coming in like i can't pay for my expensive apartment in new york and i just bought this first class plane ticket to come to the funeral like he's doing him a favor by buying him a fur by flying himself first class to the funeral and that's his excuse for not being able to pay for half of the funeral obviously there's also conflict between them because the brother is a successful writer and the main character he's written a novel but he won't let anybody read it yeah meanwhile the brother is at least viewed as successful although in the american version Someone makes a comment that, like, he's writing smut or, like, trash or something. that was so,
1: like, such a relief. Yeah, there's this, like, grumpy uncle character who we'll definitely talk about more later. And he tells Martin Lawrence, like, his books aren't shit. Like, you want to believe that this character is just getting praise for these books, but maybe someone can see through his bullshit and that these books aren't so great.
2: (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it might be more than one character, but yeah, one or two people tell Martin Lawrence or indicate that the books are trash. Mm. Which, you know, I'm kind of conflicted about, because I kind of liked in the British version that, like...
1: Like, maybe he actually is a really good writer. Yeah, and...
2: like, it's hard to know, and everybody's offering praise, and so I think we're meant to infer, like, all oh, these people are just, for lack of a better word, star fuckers, right? mm but we don't know like whether these books are, actual, are actually any good.
1: Well, let me hit you with sort of a hot take, but I don't think Martin Lawrence is very funny.
2: You don't think Martin Lawrence is very funny at all?
1: Yeah, like in general as an actor. I wonder if it's a generational thing. I am admittedly less familiar with things he's been in, and maybe that is part of just a whole generational thing. I haven't seen as much of what he's been in, so I don't know what exactly makes him so funny, but... I also feel that I've never enjoyed him in the things I have seen him in. Again, I think it's like generational humor and whatnot. But Chris Rock is, I guess, around the same age as him. Are they around the same age?
2: I don't know. I think it was I think weird they to me be. that Chris
1: Rock was but Chris, older than him in this movie. Yeah,
2: Chris Rock definitely seems more like he's, of our generation. He's so
1: much more relatable. But I don't like, I don't care for Martin Lawrence. I don't find him funny. And then they made his character so despicable to me
2: in the american version there's a recurring subplot where i think one of their neighbors or like a longtime family friend is at the funeral and she is 18 and martin lawrence spends like the entire movie hitting on her and like making jokes about how she's like hot and young but she's 18 and it's like a little bit I mean, it's, like, sleazy for sure, and a little bit, like, distractingly so. Yeah, I
1: think everything wrong about that storyline as a source of humor for this movie really comes home at the very end of the movie, where they make the joke about R. Kelly. Yeah. It's just like, yeah. Who is now
2: in prison. Exactly. Yeah, it it sort of becomes less appropriate now that we know everything that R. Kelly was doing. But it's like, it was always sleazy and gross.
1: It was never amusing that you were trying to go after this this woman who just turned 18 a week ago
2: yeah so there's that there are other things that make him like a slightly worse person i think he's a little bit meaner to uh the main character to to chris rock they get in an argument at one point because the the conflict between them kind of comes to a boiling point halfway through the movie when stresses that we haven't even begun to talk about yet uh just like really start to get to them And they get into an argument. And I think in the American version, they physically fought, right? Oh, yeah, they did. And in the British version, didn't physically Mm -hmm. fight. It it was just like the conflict is so much more overt to the point that it becomes physical. And it's like a silly, semi-wrestling fight, right? It's not like super violent or anything. It's very silly. But the whole relationship is, is like that. And his whole character is a little bit meaner, I think.
1: Yeah. On the other side of the coin of their relationship... Martin Lawrence also gives Chris Rock brotherly advice, which you don't see in the old version. Matthew McFadden's character still comes away with the same realization that Chris Rock's character does, but Martin Lawrence explicitly tells him, like, hey, stop overthinking everything. Like, be spontaneous, and your creativity, your writing will improve from that. You get more of the dynamic parts of a brother relationship in the u.s version but again it might just be the lack of subtlety that you were talking about Mm. earlier it's not that it wasn't there in the british version all right so david i think obviously we've covered the two brothers and their relationship is the heart the core of this whole movie yeah
2: that's the that's sort of the a plot and then there's Mm -hmm. b c d plots uh, Yeah, there's
1: a whole multitude of characters just interacting yeah For a variety of reasons.
2: And causing the stresses that are are bringing these two brothers into conflict.
1: Yeah. But the most important character is played by Peter Dinklage. And I say played by Peter Dinklage because in both 2007 and 2010, Peter Dinklage plays the same role.
2: He's the only character, as I mentioned at the beginning, he's uh, the only character that's played by the same actor in both movies. I think in the American version, he has a beard. Yes. And that's it? Yes. That's, the only, that's basically To show the that
1: difference. time has passed. <laughs> right.
2: So he uh, shows up at the funeral, and in both movies, the main character is, doesn't know who he is, and so he keeps asking people, hey, do you know that guy? Who's that guy? Mm-hmm. Like, he must be dad's friend from work, but doesn't really get any answers and he's too busy to like go up to him and talk to him so then peter dinklage comes up to the main character a couple of different times and says hey you know i was i was really close with your father like i'm really sorry for your loss like can we sit down and talk like i I really want to talk to yeah can
1: we speak privately there's something i'd like to discuss
2: but eventually the eulogy is interrupted the funeral is kind of put on hold it turns out he does have time, so finally Peter Dinklage comes up to him and says, "Hey, I really need to talk to you. Can we can we go somewhere?" So the main character says yes, and Peter Dinklage says, "I was really close to your father. I was really really close to your father."
1: I have some photos <laughs> I would like to show you of your father and I. So long out. St-
2: long story short, he shows them increasingly gay pictures. Yes, uh, like this is us at a Halloween party. This is us at a drag show. You know, the main character is like, this doesn't prove anything. Anybody can go to a drag show, or what was that? Oh, well, they I was? were
1: going to the premiere of Dreamgirls, so the movie.
2: To so the premiere of Dreamgirls, <laughs>
1: trying to figure out what you meant by drag show, but they're wearing dresses, so I know what you mean. Oh, talking.
2: they're wearing okay, uh, but that's in the American version that yes. they go to the Dreamgirls. In the Chris, British
1: version, they were yeah, the Halloween party. What was there? They had a couples outfit. I I wish I could remember because they
2: were so in funny. like togas or something. Yeah. Right? Uh, but yeah, in the American version, it's Dreamgirls. And Chris Rock is like, I like Dream girls. And starts, <laughs> yeah. like singing it. <laughs> and then so okay. the, the Trump card that he pulls out is a picture that we don't get to see of apparently them actually having sex. Yes. And so eventually the main character is convinced in both movies by this picture of them actually having sex. Like, okay, these two were having an affair. Maybe dad was gay, but definitely cheating on mom with this guy. That's what he's like processing. And then immediately, Peter Dinklage goes into, like, I don't want to, like, I don't think it's fair that I didn't get any money in the settlement, in the the will.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So you should do the right thing and give me some money. And the main character's like, I don't have any money. Like, what are you talking about? And then so Peter Dinklage is like, I'm going to go show these pictures to your mom if you don't give me some money. Anyway, that's, that's the basis of the character is he ends up in a situation where he's blackmailing the main character. I mean, it's the same guy. I thought the depictions were a little bit different, but what did you think?
1: Did you think they were different?
2: Yeah, I think in the American version, he was more of a dick from the start. I I felt like even before the pictures came out, he was being really mean to Chris Rock.
1: Yeah. No, you're right. Because when he was first starting to talk to Chris Rock, I was like, oh, are they just doing this all as one scene? Because in the British version... He sort of like turns you, around on him yeah he you seems don't know almost friendly at first and then all of a sudden he's like you suck at writing and give me money
2: exactly like it doesn't turn around until after the pictures come out and then he sort of makes it almost explicit yes i am blackmailing you and then he starts once the main character uh in the british version starts saying okay i'll write you i'll write you the check for like That's what was it 15 a- Fifteen thousand pounds yeah that's when peter dinklage starts being a dick yeah. but in the american version he's like basically a dick to him from the start
1: once he gets him in the in the study for a private conversation right yeah. right
2: but even before the pictures come out
1: yeah you're right that was a little a little different
2: i'm not sure why they made that change i mean maybe i, I guess like i'm just kind of thinking about the impression that it would give like that it is kind of a shock i think in the british version it's like is this person really blackmailing me is that what's happening right now and then he like leaves the room and he comes back and he's like just so we're clear i give you this check and you don't show the pictures that's the deal right and peter dinklage is like that's the deal (laughs) yeah and that happens in both movies but i think it makes more sense the confusion that he's feeling in the british version because it's Mm -hmm. like who the fuck is this guy and then all of a sudden is this what blackmail is like? And in the American version, it's like, this guy's a dick and is definitely blackmailing me. Right?
1: Yeah. Uh, I, I think Peter Dinklage does a great job in the role. I think the movies are so, so similar that he literally could show up to set he and didn't do the to, same thing. Yeah. But I did, I was trying to get an interview of him and his thoughts of like, how is this different? And there's nothing really out there. Or if there is, send it to me because I couldn't find it.
2: Yeah, I wonder why he wasn't recast. Because, I mean, I feel like so much of the cast of both these movies were really great. But, you know, they just made the British version. I wonder what the decision-making process was like. Okay, we're not going to get anybody back except Peter Dinklage. I mean, I guess he's an American. Mm -hmm. This is taking place in America. But he's American in uh, the British version, too. I don't don't really know why. I don't
1: think it's a role that... Inherently needs to be a little person.
2: Yeah, definitely not.
1: I guess he needs to be able to fit in the coffin.
2: But I but feel like could. they could have. Yeah, yeah. They, they don't really talk about it that much.
1: Uh, in uh, in the American version, he's like, "You just discovered that your father is having a relationship with a short man that he's gay," but. You're mad that he's white? Yeah,
2: (laughs) that is a pretty funny line. That's
1: not the correct line at all, the way I said it. Let
0: me get this straight. Our father was bromantically involved with a guy that could fit in his pocket. And you're mad because he's white?
2: I think it could have been someone else. I think that Peter Dinklage was great in the role. And I don't think he was very well known at the time. Right, this is before Game of Thrones. I was trying to remember, what is he famous for? I know he's famous. (laughs) Yeah. Well,
1: Elf. When did Elf come out? Because I think that's what blew him up.
2: That was a really minor role.
1: Yeah, but he killed it.
2: You're
0: feeling strong, my friend? Call me Elf one more time. He's an angry Elf.
1: That was like the scene that everybody was...
2: He was the main character in uh, The Station Agent.
1: Nobody saw The Station Agent except you and me, and we watched it like 10 years after it came
2: out. No, I saw it like the year that it came out.
1: You saw it without me?
2: Yeah. Hmm. But yeah, that was not a lot of people saw that movie. That was like I don't know if it was an indie film, but it was small. Um,
1: it's got the boring pace of an indie film. But yeah. I liked it. I
2: liked it. <laughs> yeah, I don't think he was a superstar at the time like he would become 2 years later when he mm-hmm. played Tyrion on uh, Game of Thrones. So it's not like it was star power, especially in a movie, you know, headlined by Chris Rock, right?
1: Yeah. I was expecting if they brought anybody back that it would be Alan Tudyk,
0: yeah.
2: who we'll
1: obviously get into later. Anyhow, so this red carpet interview with Peter Dinklage, the reason I bring it up is because he was very complimentary of Chris Rock, that that was basically the deciding factor for why he decided to do the movie again, because mm-hmm. he wanted to work with him. And he just... Chris Rock and uh, Tracy Morgan, he's really complimentary of the two of them being so funny. And it's like, well, that makes sense. Those guys are
2: hilarious. Did, do you think he met... Chasey Morgan on the set of 30 Rock?
1: Oh, maybe. When would his episode... He was only in one episode, right? He
2: was only in one episode. He dated Liz <laughs> Lemon. So good, yeah. But I think it was a pretty early episode, so it would have been before this.
1: Yeah. It's before she starts dating James Marsden, who's uh, yeah. also in this movie. <laughs> so many of these people are in 30 Rock, which makes sense, because that's like a...
2: Funny show? Funny,
1: improv-based show. Anyhow, <laughs> I'm trying to get to the, his line was on the red carpet. He says something where he's like, I'm just, you know, repeating myself. And the interviewer sort of picked up on that of like, oh, when you're repeating yourself, like, how do you keep it fresh? And he he sort of has the realization of like, that's probably not what I should have said about reprising the same role. So he just immediately goes, I don't, I don't repeat myself. It's a whole new movie and everything. Now, having actually seen these two movies, I'm like Peter Dinklage. It's the exact same fucking movie. Yeah, I wonder <laughs> how
2: much he got paid for each of these movies. It must have been a bigger paycheck for the American version, right? Of
1: course it was. Yeah. Just like he demanded more money in the American version.
2: So let me look up how much each of them made. It looks like the British version made $47 million. Mm-hmm. And the American version made $49 million Ooh. on a much bigger budget. Ooh. So yeah, that's not good. That's interesting. Yeah. I'm just I'm just trying to figure out... I don't know why he's the only person that was in both. Like, I don't think it needed to be Peter Dinklage. I think he was good, but it didn't need to be him. I think part of it is that he is an American. But I just wonder how he got cast in the British version in the first place. If he was, you know, not as well-known. But, anyway, we're digressing yeah. hard onto things that we just have no clue what's going on. I
1: think probably the writer wanted it to be a little person. And that's how he he got the role. It's so just, just not... So many people. So Peter Dinklage's character is played by the same actor. And as we've now gone over thoroughly, there's not really much difference going on besides the beard. He has blackmailed the main character. When the main character is sitting down and writing the check, Peter Dinklage starts just...
2: Insulting him. Yeah, he had, really
1: driving it in. He
2: had been reading the novel. He's in his office. And so he just picked up the novel that was on his desk and started reading it. And then the main character comes in and is like, what are you doing? Don't read that. You're not allowed to read that. But then Dinklage is, like, talking to him and saying, like, you know, some people are born to write, like, your brother, and some people aren't, you know? Mm -hmm. And so he's doing this while the check is being written. So the main character is eventually like, fuck it. I'm not doing it. Like, not going to write this check. the last straw
1: he won't do. He won't be pushed around anymore.
2: So then movie logic takes over. Peter Dinklage tries to leave, and the brothers grab him and hogtie him. (laughs) Uh, and prevents him from leaving and then there's a whole other subplot of there's a
1: whole lot else going on which will make sense as we get into it
2: he he ends up drugged hogtied and being guarded by two other morons and
1: and when they leave him alone for a moment he's just like tripping and jumping around on this couch falls down the sound effect of him hitting his head on the glass table is that hurt oh it's so bad in both movies and then he's just lying there on the floor. And they now have a dead body on their hands. Mm-hmm. Thus the name Death at a Funeral.
2: Right. Well, I think Death at a Funeral, it's kind of like a like a Chekhov's gun a little bit. Because it's because like,
1: you're, you're like, which who of these is characters gonna is going to die? <laughs> and there's
2: really like three candidates for, yes. for who's going to die. Uh, but then, yeah, you, you find out like, oh, Peter Dinklage is dead. And then so they have the idea how do we get rid of a dead body the obvious answer is put him in our dad's coffin yes. and bury him with our dad so they do that
1: i will say and i, I mentioned as we were watching it they place him in the coffin with the dad pretty unceremoniously in the british version in both they put they him have down
2: him in, in the a, 69 yeah, position just, just for like a sight gag mm-hmm. you know and then they're like you know i think they would have wanted it this way. <laughs> yeah. Which is funny.
1: But then they, they move him. But you actually get a shot in the American version of like Peter Dinklage snuggled up to the father, you know, his lover. Which is kind of a cute shot. And yeah. I just like it's like, oh moment of
2: <laughs> I thought that was a nice improvement, you know. Yeah.
1: Upon just It's
2: like, it's- let's let's treat this like we got the joke in about the sixty nine. Yeah. Now let's treat it like a little seriously. Mm-hmm. Or like a little not seriously, like uh Emotionally, yeah.
1: The very last twist at the end is that Peter Dinklage is not actually dead. So when they finally get the funeral started again, all of a sudden there's this banging from inside the coffin, and I think that is a great moment for Peter Dinklage because when he comes out of the coffin, I mean, first of all, great moment for hair and makeup because he's drugged up, he's been in this coffin, he looks. Fucking crazy! Yeah, he
2: looks like a zombie. It's hilarious. So
1: funny coming out of there in both movies. I actually I was looking at stills from both movies of him coming out of the coffin. That it literally looks like the same thing in both movies, and he's. I think they shot it
2: from a different angle though.
1: But I just mean his.
2: Like his appearance. yeah. Yeah.
1: Props to Peter Dinklage on, the role he, played twice. He's very good in it.
2: Yeah. I mean, I love Peter Dinklage, you know.
1: Hopefully we've created some questions in our loose summary so far. Why did Peter Dinklage end up super drugged? What interrupted the funeral in the first place? So let's get into some of these other characters, other attendants of the funeral.
2: So as the main character is setting up for the funeral and has to send the body away and and everything that's happening, those scenes are interspersed with two groups of people arriving in two separate cars so in one of them we have a man and a woman and the woman is cousins to the main character so she's attending her uncle's funeral and she is bringing her fiance right
0: yes secret fiance
2: nobody nobody knows that they're engaged and he's not really welcome in the family i think her dad uh doesn't really approve of this pairing yes so he's exceptionally nervous Uh, On their way to the funeral, they're going to stop and pick up her brother. He is in pharmacology school, so he's got a bunch of pills all over his house. But the first time we see him, he's on the phone with somebody basically selling drugs. Yes. He's created this pill concoction that he's selling that is a combination of, like, ecstasy and meth and something else. (laughs) It's never really explained exactly what it is, but it's, like, some... Yeah.
1: Really At one point drug. in the in the American version, he goes, "It's like acid mixed with acid, which is acid."
2: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's it's whatever it is. It's it's some crazy shit. Yeah. So the fiance is really stressed out. So the woman says, "Well, there, here's a here's a pill box. It's labeled Valium. I used to take this all the time. It'll really calm you down." He takes a pill, and they take the bottle with them, and uh, that'll just come into play throughout the movie. This pill bottle makes its way around the house. People keep accidentally taking these pills. So why don't we talk about that man first, the fiancé.
1: Yes, played by Alan Tudyk in the British version. Doing, doing the a British, British accent. accent. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and in the American version, played by James Marsden. Both of these men are hilarious visual, physical actors, uh, comic actors. Uh-huh. And they both did a great job. And I have, like, nothing else to say about this character, both of these guys are hilarious.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's it's a little bit silly because the character takes drugs in their first scene in the movie. They they pick up the brother and so the three of them are on their way to the funeral and even in the car on the way, he's starting to act a little funny and like saying like crazy things. And then they get to the funeral and during the eulogy, he starts freaking out because he thinks the coffin is moving. But from there, he just gets crazier and crazier until he ends up on the roof naked. And that's where yeah. he is for most of the movie.
1: Most of the movie, yes. Is
2: just it's either Alan Tudyk or James Marsden sitting on the roof of the of the house, uh, totally naked. Which is cool. But there's not really a lot to do except watch them like make funny faces and say silly things. <laughs> it's not like there's not a major character arc.
1: I don't know much about the technical aspects of making films, but the way the camera captured the the humor of this mm-hmm. movie, it wasn't always giving full appreciation to their, their physical comedy, mm-hmm. but I don't really know how to explain that. It's almost well, like they were, it's like Kramer and Seinfeld just is doing a different type of comedy from everyone else, mm-hmm. and that's definitely what this character was. But the
2: camera doesn't. Doesn't show him different adjust
1: to that yeah which i guess is because it's consistent throughout the movie but oh.
2: yeah and i guess i'm thinking about like just based on what you said i'm thinking about the scene in 21 jump street where they take drugs and mm-hmm. it's like visually and in the the sound like those scenes are yeah just in a totally different world and it's hilarious you know we don't get that with this character taking the drugs yeah
1: that being said they still deliver a very funny like, hilarious performance, both of them do. Yeah. And I feel like Alan Tudyk is a more respected actor than James Marsden, or maybe I'm just making that up, but I think that's unfair. I think they're both I love so James Marsden. Funny.
2: I love both of them. Yeah.
1: James Marsden, to bring back to Thirty Rock, he's one of my favorite parts of Thirty Rock. It's one of the few times in a TV show where someone ends up in a stable relationship and you're just like, oh, yes, I love this. Give me more of this character. You yeah.
2: Know? Yeah. And it kind of makes sense. Yeah. I loved in the British version. Uh, his name is Simon and his fiance is knocking at the door and she's going Simon and every time she does it he's like Simon and she just keeps saying it Simon 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 Simon
0: <laughs> That was pretty good. That was yeah. That was I don't know weird. if there was
2: an equivalent scene in the in the American one, but they did add after he's on the roof and the funeral is broken up like one more time and everybody knows, notices that he's on the roof. So the woman comes out to, you know, talk him down. Because he's, he's all like, I've, like, ruined the funeral. Like, everybody in this family hates me. Like, I'll never be good enough for you. You know, he's really down on himself. And she's like, no, none of that's true. Like, it doesn't matter. I love you. And then finally reveals, like, you can't jump off the roof or, like, do anything stupid because I'm pregnant. And then he's like, "I'm you're you're pregnant." Like, "Oh, okay, I'll come down." And then he does in the British version, and in the American version, he's doing it, but then he slips and he almost falls off the roof anyway.
1: Oh, right.
2: And then um, his future brother-in-law, who gave him the drugs in the first place, like runs up to the room outside or to the room with the window where he's like hanging over the ledge and is like wrapping his arms around him.
1: Yeah, but has to grab him by the waist, because he's hanging from above this window.
2: For for movie purposes. Yes. And uh, he is
1: still completely naked. Yeah. So...
2: So we get more jokes from that, too, because yeah. for the rest of the movie, he's like, he's like, man, I don't want to ever touch you ever again. You know? Yeah. And even in the scene, he's like, wow, your penis is just all over my face. And <laughs> yeah. just stuff like that. So... I thought that was funny.
1: Yeah, you know, it's silly humor. It's just more jokes,
2: you know? I like the jokes. Yeah. Did you have anything else to say?
1: Yeah, so I think the relationship he has with his wife plays into a lot of those moments and this story in general. Mm -hmm. And the wife is played in the British version by Daisy Donovan and in the American version by Zoe Saldana. I really like Zoe Saldana, but I don't know why she was in this movie I think she uh, she was really wooden. You think? Yeah, but I love Gamora. I love Anna Maria. Pirates. I don't know know if she nailed this character.
2: I don't know. She didn't have a lot of jokes.
1: And I think that's a fault of this writer, or the concept of this movie in general and its treatment of women, which I guess I'll get into. Uh, But Daisy Donovan, I think, just I don't know felt her character more than I did uh, Zoe Saldana's.
2: Yeah. I liked I liked Daisy Donovan. I thought I'll she was really... I like, I've never seen her before.
1: Or if this character just is boring and Daisy Donovan found something in the character that Zoe Saldana didn't.
2: Yeah. I think that might be true. And I also think that like James Marsden was just so ridiculous. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Like It's it, tough
1: to play a straight man too.
2: Yeah. His. So the third person in, uh, in this car the brother of the Zoe Saldana, uh, Daisy Donovan character. He is played in the British version by Chris Marshall and in the American version by Columbus Short. So Chris Chris Marshall, I think we immediately realized, he's one of the characters in Love Actually. He's the one that goes to Wisconsin to meet girls because they love British accents, and then it totally works out for him, uh, which is pretty funny.
1: Yeah, I think that made me find his character funnier than maybe his character was, just because I kept thinking about... (laughs) His other his other roles, yeah. um, pretty minor character. Neither of them had moments that really struck me as particularly funny or even relevant to the plot. I don't know. Obviously, he supplies the drugs.
2: Yeah, I mean, the, I th- I think in terms of plot, like he kind of sets the craziness of the event into motion with the drugs. I liked the character in both movies. He's sort of, like, always behind and cleaning up his own mess that he started. Revealing what happened means revealing to his sister that he's dealing drugs and that he's, like, doing all this, like, dumb shit, you know, and that's embarrassing. But as as the situation gets worse, he, like, reveals more and more. Um, and it's not that he's, like, a bad person. His stupidity caused a lot of what's happening.
1: Yeah. Um, Did you have a preference between Chris Marshall and Columbus? No, short? I mean,
2: I like. Yeah, I, I liked Columbus short. I think you know mm. he's got the extra scene where James Marsden is hanging out the window and he rescues him. I liked that he felt both. I think the responsibility for it and ran up upstairs into the house to save his life. Right.
1: Yeah.
2: It's like almost symbolic of um, brotherhood. The whole movie is about her being like, well, this guy's being rejected by my family, and then it's a family member who runs up the stairs and actually like does this. And I think they like each other, uh, but then it also adds those additional jokes about how his dick was on his face, which I thought was funny. <laughs> Maybe you don't think that's funny, but I thought I thought Columbus Short pulled off those jokes like really well. I I thought he he had good chemistry with James Marsden, which I think is difficult when James Marsden is pretending to be on drugs
1: i think that's maybe one of the smaller changes in the american version is recognizing the relationship that columbus short's character would have with james marsden and building that up more than you see between chris marshall and
2: agreed agreed and we're suckers for a brother-sister relationship
1: yeah we are
2: but um just to discuss that character a little bit she uh Obviously, she's got this secret engagement, this even more secret pregnancy. But her story arc is about feeling comfortable in this relationship and being able to tell her father, like, this is my choice. And it's complicated by another character who is in the second car on the way to the funeral that we haven't talked about.
1: The other car has a character played by Ewan Bremner in the British version and played by Luke Wilson in the American version, whose entire role is to be pining for this woman. He is not related to the deceased's family. He is literally just showing up because he wants to get back together with with her. In the British version, they just had a one-night stand. In the American version, they dated for a few months.
2: I think I liked Luke Wilson's better because... He's kind of a handsome man. And I felt Mm -hmm. like it makes more sense. Like, why would... Zoe Saldana would not be with, like, an ugly person. And James Marsden is obviously super handsome, right?
1: Only more apparent when he's naked on the roof.
2: Yeah, right. Uh, And I think Luke Wilson is, like... This character in both movies is, like, sleazy.
1: He's, like, pathetic in the British version. And, yeah, sleazy in the... Like Rich Sleazy in the American version.
2: Yeah, uh, and I think he's a little sleazy in the British version too. Mm-hmm. But I think it just makes more sense as uh, someone who you could see being likable. And I know that's like shallow, it's like, oh, this attractive person is more likable, but like that's kind of how it is, you know? Mm-hmm. In the British version, it's Ewan Bremer, and I think his most famous role is in train spotting. He's oh, right. Spud. Mm-hmm. I thought he was good his character you're just like supposed to hate him so he shows up at the funeral and he keeps saying like hi martha hi martha and she's just (laughs) Just, like totally ignoring him yeah as she's trying to help out her fiance going through like all this basically this acid trip he keeps confronting her and like getting more and more aggressive about like we should get back together in both movies this is what happens and it culminates with him like forcibly kissing her in, which
1: is what drives her fiance in view of to, the window. Which to is to try to jump off the roof, yeah. right?
2: Uh, so yeah, I mean he's he's a real douchebag. And then at the end of the movie, when it's revealed that the woman is pregnant, he's like, "All right, well I'm over it now because I would make a shitty father," you know. Yeah. Which is like a very silly it's way a to funny resolve end it
1: to his character. Yeah, yeah, but it's
2: like, oh yeah, that resolves it perfectly. Exactly. He's like, "I'm over it," you know. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Did you think uh, either one of them was better?
1: Yeah, well, i got to di- disagree with you and your taste in men, because I find you and Bremner a lot more attractive than Luke Wilson. But I understand... Whoa. I know. I understand, understand
2: just, like, objectively, that 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 might he's not...
1: presenting in this, like, traditionally handsome way, which he was clearly not doing in the British version. But I also think this is the character who really is the most different, because you he think? goes from being so. this, like, one-night-stand, like, pathetic... I do agree, like, sleazy, like, he's very, like, womanizing her. Like, she has this great line in both movies where she's like, you don't like me, you like the way, like, I make you feel. That was or, a great line. Yeah, yeah. and it's such it's a great... It's still point.
2: about you. You like the way that I impact your life, but you don't care about me. Exactly. Because he's like, I do care, you think I don't care.
1: <laughs> it's such a great, succinct analysis of what's going on there. And yeah. very well delivered by both And what's of going them.
2: on in, like, terrible relationships, like, across the board, yeah. right?
1: the changes they made to Luke Wilson's character in the American version are very smart changes and Mm -hmm. choices because he's no longer this, like, pathetic, sort of sniveling guy. He's this rich but, like, dumb guy.
2: And he's even, like, asking people for advice. Like, hey, what should I... I think he asked her father for advice. He asked the uncle uh, character. Who we're, again, going to discuss more. He asked his friend that he drove with who are also going to discuss more.
1: But it's great because all of that adds to his connections to the family, which were non-existent in the British version. He just shows up to chase after her. Right, and
2: they even mention that. They're like, why are you coming? Like and yeah. he's like, oh, yeah, I'm just going for Martha.
1: But making him this, this more connected guy changes more of his character and also Zoe Saldana's character, who has this conflict with her father, who doesn't like who she wants to marry. Mm-hmm. But the father did approve of Luke Wilson. The father, played by Ron Glass, he likes Luke Wilson. And there was a small detail where Ron Glass and Luke Wilson were the only two at the funeral who were wearing pinstripe suits. And I just like that, that Luke Wilson oh, is sort that. of like dressed to be the son-in-law, but he's just, he's not gonna get her because she's following her heart. And I think that makes more sense that he not only wants her, but also sees how he could be part of this whole family and community yeah. whereas it seems like
2: genuine you yeah, know what i mean exactly. whereas i think in the british version it was really just about like i want this for myself you know yeah. and it's it's exactly what she says it's like you don't care about me you care about yourself mm-hmm. and i think luke wilson felt more genuine in a way
1: so i think the the character played by luke wilson is a little bit more believable in his his role in the whole he thing he had an extra scene but did he
2: yeah, because the scenery is asking the uncle for advice.
1: Oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah. And then the uncle tells him, like, grab her and kiss her.
2: But also, I think that makes him more sympathetic, because he's like, if I'm being told by her family, not only should you be with her, but, like, this is what you should do, and I think she'll react strongly, then it's, like, less of a really sleazy move, I think, to yeah abruptly kiss her in front of her fiancé, right? Whereas I think you and Bremer's character just came up with that idea and did it and it's like well if you're doing that to people then you're an asshole i think i think luke wilson is a little more well-rounded
1: so the luke wilson ewan bremer character arrives at the funeral in the car with who is this character david
2: uh so in the british version he is played by andy nyman um and in the american version he is played by tracy morgan and i think i had a moment in the uh when we were watching the British version, because we watched it first, there there was a moment where Andy Nyman does a silly walk and, like, fake grin, and he comes out, and it was the most Tracy Morgan thing I've ever seen. And I was like... I don't remember who's in the american version <laughs> but i really hope it's tracy morgan that does this and then he does he it is and he does the same thing but and he's his so scene is perfect so
1: much shorter in the american little, version yeah. and i was really looking forward to seeing tracy morgan because do it because in the british a tracy version it's
2: like dragged out so <laughs> let's set it up okay let, let's thing. start the whole the whole arc so he he arrives in the car with um with luke wilson or uh, in the british version with ewan bremer and they're talking, clearly they're friends. They're tasked with picking up an old, older relative who's confined to a wheelchair. And when they get there, this character is forced... Like, they're forced to park really far away while uh, the Ewan Bremer Luke Wilson character is chasing after Zoe Saldana and, like, trying to impress the family and stuff. Uh, the other character, Tracy Morgan... And uh, Andy Nyman is forced to, like, park really far away and then drag this elderly relative in the wheelchair to the funeral. And so, like, he arrives all disheveled, and, like, everybody's like, you stink because he's, like, sweating and stuff. And that's basically how he spends the rest of the movie. Is like he's just, everybody's just shitting on him all the time. As the brothers are getting more involved with Peter Dinklage and end up accidentally kidnapping him and tying him up, This character goes into the study and sees what's happening, and he had ended up with the pills that James Marsden uh, had taken, or that Alan Tudyk, James Marsden character had taken, and so this character stuffs, like, five pills down Peter Dinklage's mouth without really knowing what he's doing, because he walks in, and they're like, he's having a seizure, and he's like, oh, okay, well, here's a bunch of Valium, I'll give him, like, five pills. It's so, so
1: it's such a funny moment because the next person to walk into the room, first of all, the one of the brothers is like, "I told you to lock it." And he goes, "You told me to shut it." And then, <laughs> and then with the new person who's walked into the room, the brothers are like, "Oh, he's having a seizure." And the new person's like, "Then why is he tied up?" And yeah, it's and just but the, the this character,
2: the Andy Nyman Tracy, Tracy Morgan and character Niman, just they didn't question (laughs) what's happening and then so they're just like they're pretty dumb and like they're just doing they're, they're just both very dumb and uh acting really stupidly the whole movie and they're the butt of like every joke they're tasked uh with guarding peter dinklage something else happens that causes them to not be able to guard him for every second and that's when Peter Dinklage busts his head on the table. <laughs> then he that's when he has to walk across the entire funeral, pretend nothing's wrong, like smile, like just has like the goofiest, very Tracy Morgan. I'm basically being a cartoon character. Walk. Yeah. Uh, but in the British version, I think it, it's like, a, it feels like it's a minute long. It's probably less than that. But yeah. he's like, he's got to like be like, excuse me, excuse me, and, like, get by, everybody. And in the American version, it's much shorter. And it's like, I think I could have watched Tracy Morgan do that for, like, way longer, for, like, ten minutes, you know?
1: Yeah. I think that scene could have been funnier in both movies, which is such a crazy thing to say, because it's a very funny scene Yeah. already. I think both Tracy Morgan and Andy Nyman are hilarious and very well cast for both movies. Yeah.
0: Like, I have
1: some issues with Tracy Morgan's... Scenes not being maybe shot very well. And again, this is me trying to talk about camera work when I don't really know what I'm talking about. But the funniest potty humor scene for both of them, I think it wasn't visually shown as well with Tracy Morgan as it was with Andy Nyman, but I don't think that's Tracy Morgan's fault at all. I thought he was hilarious.
2: Well, let's get into that in a minute because that involves another character we should talk about. Before we do that... Did you did you think that you had a favorite between the actors Tracy Morgan Andy Nyman?
1: Absolutely not. Are you gonna say Andy Nyman?
2: I was gonna say Tracy Morgan, but maybe just because I already think he's funny because I love Thirty Rock.
1: Really, I would maybe give it to Andy Nyman. The scene where he's like talking to the the mom and that's super uncomfortable, but it's I can't really pick between the two of them.
2: Yeah, I think it's close. I think they're both good. I like Tracy Morgan just. I just do, and I don't know Andy Nyman from anything else, so. yeah. but yeah. they're both
1: cool. They're both just so good.
2: So the third person in the car with uh, the Luke Wilson-Tracy Morgan duo uh, and the Andy Nyman-Ewan Bremer duo, they are tasked with picking up an elderly...
1: Probably like a great uncle. You old. know,
2: you just call those people uncle-whatever, right, if it's yeah. your parents' uncle. We get um, Uncle
1: Alfie played in the British version by Peter Vaughn. And Uncle Russell, played by Danny Glover, in the American version.
2: This is so minor, but I feel like we should mention it. Danny Glover gets to say, like, I'm getting too old for this shit. Which is not, like, it didn't really fit in with the scene. But it's still, like, funny to see him do it. It's cool that they got Danny Glover uh, as this character, and I was ready to love it. And that being said, like, I thought uh, he wasn't as good as Peter Vaughn. And maybe that's because Peter Vaughn... Peter Vaughn was obviously just so fucking good.
1: Yeah, he's wheelchair bound and super grumpy. So when he gets picked up he's, you know, hitting the driver with his cane and, you know, complaining all the way, being pushed up the hill and just generally being a grouch. And then there's a critical moment where Peter Dinklage is at this point hog tied and drugged and he's been left with sort of the goofuses as the brothers deal with other things at the funeral. And at that moment, the uncle decides he needs to take a shit.
2: And he can't go to the upstairs bathroom <laughs> because he's, he's in a wheelchair. wheelchair. So, so he needs to go through the study, which is where Peter Dinklage is hogtied and drugged.
1: Yeah, so they hide Peter Dinklage behind the couch so that he can get to the study's bathroom. And since the Andy Nyman, Tracy Morgan character was the one to pick him up from the retirement home... It's sort of like expected by the viewer and maybe by the the people at the funeral as well. That yeah, I guess he's I didn't really question one, it. But. Yeah, that he's going to be the one to help the uncle use the bathroom, which is some peak visual comedy.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's a very, like, they show every step of that happening. <laughs> and it's funny the whole time because it's just... Andy Nyman, Tracy Morgan just being berated, you know, and why would they know exactly how to do yeah, this? Yeah, they're not
1: a caretaker. They don't know. It's not their relative. Yeah.
2: They're just some they're just like a family friend.
1: And so, oh god. So he ends up managing to get the uncle's pants down and seated on the toilet. He does not get his hand away in time for the explosive shit that this uncle is taking. And in both movies, yes, you get the visual of him bringing his hand up and there being poop there on his fingers.
2: And then he washes his hands, but the faucet has a really powerful spray and he ends up with poop on his face.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: And I don't think anything ever really comes of it. It's just funny. And he's like just screaming and horrified. Uh, But one of the differences... In the British version, you don't see what happened until it's already happened. Whereas in the American version, Tracy Morgan is just yelling the whole time, My hand is stuck! My hand is stuck! Yes. What's his name? Uncle Russell? Uncle Russell! Uncle Russell! My hand is stuck! No! No! And then like, he comes out with it.
1: You know, you're expecting the poop then. The British version, I think, and what you're saying is, it's more of a, like, you did not expect there to be poop on his hands until he brings his hand
2: up.
0: So it's a little bit well, more buff. Well,
2: it's like a mystery because I think there's a noise and then he comes <laughs> up and you're like, was that, you know, like what yeah. just happened? Whereas I think in the American version, you're like, I see where this is going.
1: And this really, I know we're talking about the uncles now, but that's the scene between Andy Nyman and Tracy Morgan where I think they both deliver such a great comedic they performance. Do, yeah. But it's shot better in the British version. Down to even the water pressure coming out of the sink. I didn't need to I, see any poop end up on the mirror or anything to understand, oh, some of that poop's gonna just ended up yeah, on your like, face. Yeah, you
2: felt the the pressure of yes. the spray, and, like, you know how that is, you know?
1: And it just it didn't come across the same in the American version. Like, yeah. you see it, you see poop end up on the mirror, and you see him turn around and it's on his face, but it's visual comedy is all about the presentation of where things are on camera, and the amount of time you spend, down to, like, milliseconds. So I just think it was funnier in the British version.
2: But I think, like, the American version played to uh, Tracy Morgan's strengths as a comedian. Seeing him go through the agony of anticipation was funny. You know what I mean? And Tracy Morgan was really good at, like, at, at that. So even though, like, maybe theoretically it's funnier to not get confirmation until you do the American version with Tracy Morgan, it's funnier to see every step and be like, oh, no, 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 you know? Yeah. I agree. I think that Danny Glover, it's like, fuck yeah. Like, let's watch this with Danny Mm -hmm. Glover. And I don't think he was better. I think that Peter Vaughn, maybe he was better, but also, again, there was a great shot in uh, the British version.
1: Funniest shot of the movie.
2: Yeah, where... You know, you had seen what's happening with the uncle, the elderly uncle.
1: And then Peter Dinklage is jumping around on the couch because obviously the shitstorm has distracted them from Peter Dinklage being hogtied. And that's when he hits the table. And all of a sudden, the uncle pooping on the toilet is no longer the most important thing. So they close the door on the uncle so he can't see what's going on with Peter Dinklage. They get the brothers back in there with the hilarious walking across the funeral with the goofy grin, hey, you gotta come, get this Peter Dinklage guy. All of a sudden, you've got all four men back trying to take care of Peter Dinklage. What are we gonna do? Are we gonna put him in the coffin? All this. They're finally moving the body. And before they decide to put it in the coffin, they're like, I guess we're gonna move it into the bathroom or something. (laughs) So they open the door. And the brothers are unaware that the uncle's in there.
2: Yeah, and he's just still on the toilet, and he just, like, as soon as you see him, because you see the door, you see the shot of them, like, dragging the body and opening the door, and then literally as soon as you can see him, he's like, who's that dead guy? And you're (laughs) like, oh, fuck, like, he's still there. But I don't, there was something about it, I think you're right, that, like, it was just shot better in the British version, or I, I think also maybe it was more unexpected in the British version, because we watched them in that order.
1: I think it's how it was shot, what... Was the writer, is he British? Yes. I wonder, I don't know. I feel like people make too big a deal about the difference between British comedy and American comedy. Yeah. But I wonder if it's just, you have something where the British production company making the film just understood how to get that humor right. Of just the, who's that dead guy? I'm already mad at myself for even bringing up the difference. It was a funny scene and just better in the British version.
2: So I actually meant to bring this up earlier, and I don't really want to dwell on it because I agree that I think the American versus British comedy thing is way overplayed, and I, I don't even agree with most of it. Mm-hmm. There's a perception that there's a difference, and maybe it has to do with subtlety, maybe it has to do with jokiness, uh, you know, which definitely are things that we've been talking about in this pair of movies. The famous description comes from Stephen Fry, and he's talking about the scene in Animal House when
1: you don't like Stephen Fry.
2: I don't really particularly like Stephen Fry. Mm-hmm. But he's talking about the scene in Animal House when uh John Belushi he's at like a, a guitar a, a yes. party, a frat party, and he's passing the stairs and there's a guy on the stairs playing folk music for girls and he just looks like a hipster douchebag
0: mm-hmm.
2: and John Belushi sees it and his reaction is to smash the guitar. And Stephen Fry says, well, any American wants to be John Belushi and any British person wants to be the guy playing the guitar. And I think that's really stupid.
1: I don't even get what Stephen Fry means by that comment.
2: I think the idea of seeing the comedian do something funny is what Americans want. And seeing something funny happen to a hapless Hmm. comedian is what the British want. But oh, I don't okay. necessarily agree with that. And maybe that was a bad summary of, of what he was trying to say.
1: Whatever people's conceptions of what British comedy is, or even what American comedy is, or when we're talking about these movies, what black American comedy is, the difference between Peter Vaughn's uncle and Danny Glover's uncle is not in these like vastly different types of comedy. It's just a split-second
2: right. camera. Yeah, it's not like a... A cultural value that these actors are putting into their performance necessarily yeah. It's, yeah I think you're right it's the way that the movies are shot and you know the speed that the camera moves and that the scenes move you know because I mean these movies do have a different pace you know a different feel even though literally minute by minute they're like almost the same movie they feel like they're happening at, at different paces you know the American version is more frenetic I think Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why you get scenes like Tracy Morgan screaming about how his hand is stuck. But we both agree that uh,
1: the distinction is stupid and it's not relevant to which of these movies is better or worse or how they're different.
2: Well, I agree with that. But I was just going to say that I think Peter Vaughn was so funny. Oh, Peter Vaughn. and
1: So funny. If
2: I had to choose, I would say that he was funnier. Than he gets David. a
1: fraction of the screen time that Danny Glover does. I love every moment. Yeah, Danny Glover has
2: like a little extra, like he'll just have a line here and there Mm -hmm. that, and he has that scene with James Marsden where he tells him what to do. With Luke Wilson. Yes. Sorry. Mm -hmm. Yes. The Reverend in this movie uh, is also an important character. He's got a few comedic scenes. He's a fan of the writer from New York. And basically anytime he's interacting with either brother, that becomes like very clear. He's always saying, so you're giving the eulogy, it's not it's not your brother, things like that. In the British version he's played by uh Thomas Wheatley and in the American version by Keith David. And this is another situation where it's like everybody loves Keith David yeah. right and yep, he's like yep. so funny. And I didn't know I didn't know this British guy from anything. So I thought like he was fine in the movie, but seeing Keith David like do his Keith David thing is like very satisfying. Although in the British <laughs> version, there is one very funny scene where um, Andy Nyman is trying to distract him and prevent him from entering the room with the coffin because they're putting Peter Dinklage's body in the coffin.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: He's like trying and failing to distract him, and the Reverend's like, "I just want to go inside." And finally, he goes. I stuck a pen up my bum.
1: Oh, yeah. <laughs> i a pen up Yeah,
2: my and mom. the Reverend's like, what? And then it cuts away, and you assume that he's, like, so shocked, but maybe, like, into it, that he's like, <laughs> I want to find out more, and that's what's distracting him. Yeah. We didn't really get that in the American version, right? There was no equivalent.
1: Uh, there is a scene where Tracy Morgan's distracting him, but I can't remember what Tracy Morgan says. Yeah, exactly. I don't think
2: there was an equivalent, like, uh, joke like that.
1: Yeah. But the Reverend's a very funny character in both movies. I mean, obviously Keith David's Keith David, but I want to give props to Thomas Wheatley too. The Reverend's main role after the the funeral gets interrupted the first time is just to clearly be on a schedule and recognizing that he needs to maintain the Reverend, you know, mm-hmm. I'm here for this gr- grieving family,
2: but, but I wanna, I have this to go is my straight. job and
1: I've got other stuff I need to cool. do. <laughs> like It's again. It's one of those lines where there was a little extra explanation in the American version, where Keith David actually says, "Like I've missed a christening and like another funeral already." Did we need that extra line? Like, and he also
2: said in the American version, "I only took this job because I knew that you were going to be here talking to the brother writer."
1: See, but that's a line I would say is a good addition because it's just adding more to to the conflicts and especially Chris Rock Mm -hmm. being like, "Oh my god," (laughs) like
2: everybody (laughs) is giving me this shit. Yeah.
1: Okay, having gone over the characters, do you have any thoughts on the movies as a whole? What happens in the movies, the differences between them?
2: I think, uh, I mean, what's what do you think is the biggest difference in these movies?
1: I don't think there is one.
2: I, I think maybe the brother's character is possibly the biggest.
1: The relationship between them?
2: Yeah, the relationship, but also um, specifically the brother, Rupert Graves, Martin Lawrence, the way that he's portrayed. I think he's just more of a dick and the American version, and I don't think that he needed to be necessarily a dick. You can have just as much conflict with someone who is a little bit more restrained. Uh, And so in that sense, I liked liked the British portrayal of that. But then, you know, there were changes in the American version that I preferred too. Like we were talking about Zoe Saldana's brother and the way that he rescues James Marsden, Columbus Short's character. We don't get the equivalent version in uh, the British movie. You know, I mean, yeah, these are minor changes. They're mostly the same movie, but there are a few things that I liked in one version or the other. I don't know on net how those changes balance out.
1: Yeah, I agree with everything that you're you're saying. Somehow we've managed to find differences to talk about with each character. But just with the story itself, I've got issues with it, I guess is how you would say it. I mean, I think these movies are very funny and maybe like underappreciated when I look at you know, how they've been scored on Rotten Tomatoes or anything.
2: Mm -hmm. Neither one got, like, excellent reviews, right? They are both kind of like, oh, this is Especially the American version. Yeah, I think the British version was, like, maybe a little bit better received, but neither of them was like, oh, this is the best movie of the year. I think it it seems like the British version was kind of a sleeper hit with audiences, but not necessarily with critics in the same way.
1: I think we can get into some touchy... Topics with a story like this. Obviously, one centered around the gay relationship that is central to a lot of the conflict. It reminded me of watching Grace and Frankie, which starts with these men who've been having an affair coming out to their wives, and it's not about them being gay, it's about them having cheated for years on their wives. And that's something that gets developed over, especially the first season, but the show got multiple seasons. It gets developed over time on like how they've processed this and everything. And you don't get that in this ninety minute movie of, okay, are we just shocked that our dad was gay or are we upset that he was cheating on mom? And I think both movies manage to make it clear that they're not including a gay relationship as like a funny thing. Like Mm. that's not meant to be a point of humor, which obviously is a good thing
2: yeah it's really meant to be shocking and i think in both of these movies it's not like i can't deal with this in like an emotionally mature way it's just like i literally can't deal with this right now because all of this shit is going on and like now peter dinklage is like hitting me up for money with these pictures and like i just can't deal with this you know and it's not even about their mom they're just like no But then they're like, oh, now I have to give him money, but he's just pissing me off, and so he's just making these rash decisions about, like, what are you going to do? You're not really processing, like, all of the things that you should be feeling.
1: Yeah. All that being said, it is potential for some viewers to come away. Thinking this feeds into them finding those relationships wrong and therefore a point of humor. So, especially with such a big ensemble cast, I think you could have had maybe gay characters who aren't, cheating on their wife and Mm -hmm. blackmailing people like the two gay people or people having a gay relationship in this movie don't seem (laughs) like they're doing great things and that's just i mean that gets into some tropes of a depraved homosexual just that the evil villain the gay characters in the film are also the evil villain seen in like Bond's Diamonds Are Forever. Also, kind of a little bit in Skyfall. Just that if you have a gay character at all, that that character is Mm -hmm. a bad guy. Which is not a good look.
2: I mean, I didn't think it was particularly, like, tropish. Peter Dinklage's character. Mm -hmm. He was a bad person, though. I mean, and it goes back to what you said, which is the funny line of Chris Rock being like, and you're mad because he's white, you know? (laughs) yeah. But, I mean, in both movies, I think the brothers are just like, I don't really care, but, like, this is just a lot of shit to deal with. Uh, On the subject of uh, the father's homosexuality, though, to shift gears a little bit, it is really funny when the main character realizes that maybe his father was gay. All of a sudden, he starts looking around the office (laughs) and realizing that there's all these statues of, like, two naked men wrestling and
1: in stereotypically gay like pop culture, like a Madonna book. Yeah,
2: and then as soon as he leaves the office, there's these old guys that come up to him, and they're like... In both movies, they say the same thing. Oh, because the
1: dialogue's so similar yeah, in both movies. But they're,
2: they're like, did you know that your father, when we were boys, used to make us all go skinny-dipping together? <laughs> and he's like, uh, no, I, I didn't know that, but that checks out. <laughs>
1: <laughs> exactly.
2: I, I don't think the movie means to be judgmental about it, but I definitely see yeah. that it could, be, it could be interpreted that way, yeah. yeah.
1: Upon reflection, I'm pretty pissed about the the role that women had in these movies. Mm-hmm. Like, I was aware of it as I was viewing it, but could set it aside because I was enjoying the comedy of the movies. I mean, they're not included in the comedy, first of all. They're really not given the same level of comedic performance that mm-hmm. the the men are given. So it's just clearly not meant to be.
2: I would say the exception to that is... Uh, the mom in the American version is over the top
1: she is basically all I would say is it's just sad to see women who are just not well thought out characters and their only role is to either pester the men in order to add to everything these men are dealing with in such a funny way Uh, Or to be the object of desire, which obviously, I mean, again, props to Daisy Donovan and Zoe Saldana's delivery of the line where she puts the the man in his place that he doesn't actually want her. If this movie poster is going to be 30% women and it's a comedy, then I expect 30% of the comedy to be coming from the women, but it's not Mm. even like they were playing the straight man. It was just, they were just there.
2: Yeah, I mean, and Zoe Saldana and Daisy Donovan, I really liked Daisy Donovan especially, but literally she spends the whole movie, like, chasing her fiancé who's doing, like, who's mm-hmm. going on this crazy acid trip. Yeah, and uh, and it's
1: even worse with the, the wife of the main character, who, Keely Hawes in the British version and Regina Hall in the American version, she's just constantly trying to be like oh but did you call the guy about the house or the, the flat in the british she's, version
2: she's very nagging she's in the british always version.
1: and it's it's not
2: in the american version she's like nagging about sex which is like
1: sex and the house right so yeah. just the added added layer and i did like the line i can't have sex with you right now but yeah. you know you're at a funeral so you know there will be women there and then i guess that's that's the extent that maybe they he had
2: more male friends for some reason <laughs>
1: It's just disappointing, an otherwise very funny movie that the women didn't get to have funny roles or be a part of the comedy. I shouldn't say they're not a part of the comedy at all, but they were underdeveloped
0: for sure.
2: Yeah, I agree. All right, I I think we've covered pretty well all of the uh, major actors in this movie, and hopefully in doing that we've given you the plot and sort of the way that... All these A, B, C, D, E plots are woven together. Yeah, and congrats
1: to you if you've followed the plot.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, you could have just watched one of the movies, but like, uh, you know, whatever. I think we can move on to um, just saying which we like better.
0: In many ways, the work of a critic is easy. We risk very little, yet enjoy a position over those who offer up their work and themselves to our judgment.
1: David, which movie did you like better?
2: Uh, so I, I watched the American version, like, a long time ago. Maybe like eight years ago or something like that. Mm-hmm. I think I like it better. I mean, they're both good. I enjoyed both of them. I think watching them back to back, it's easy to be very critical of the American version because you just watch something and if it's if it's like a little bit worse, mm-hmm. you know, like the mm-hmm. Peter Vaughn to Danny Glover right thing... If it's like a little bit worse, you're like really disappointed because some of those really high moments in the British version, I felt like the American version did not do as well, Mm -hmm. you know, in particular, those things that we mentioned. Uh, But there were just so many more jokes, like it was so much faster that I think that more than made up for it. I don't know. I'm, I'm pretty torn because I liked, I enjoyed watching both of these and I think just seeing an American version of it, which, like, I feel like we're culturally closer to, and seeing, like, uh... Seeing Tracy Morgan do stuff compared to seeing a guy I didn't know, that's always gonna be funnier.
1: This is not the first time I've had a really hard decision between the two movies.
2: You can say that you haven't decided.
1: The test, I think, is if I were to watch this movie tonight, which one would I want to put on? Right. And I would have to give it to the British version. So... I have to say, I disagree with you, David.
0: You are so
2: wrong! I mean, fair enough. But we, we also watched the American version more recently.
1: Hours
0: ago, so
1: I'm Well, we to watched go back, both so...
2: of them hours ago, so <laughs> yes. it's like, well, if we're just gonna alternate between them every night, you know?
1: <laughs> uh, but honestly, they're so similar, first of all. Mm-hmm. It really is like watching the same movie. It's tough to, to give it to one or the other. There are some. Just great actors in the American one, and so especially if if you know you enjoy any of those actors, then I would say, as far as my recommendation goes, go out and see the American one. Like if you know that you like Tracy Morgan or Chris Rock, yeah, check it out.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think they're both good. I, I guess we haven't we barely discussed like are these good or bad or mediocre or great, right? I think they're I think both. They're all all right. I think they're both pretty good. Yeah. I would say they're both pretty good.
1: I think it's really, really easy for a comedy to be really bad. And really, I think it's hard to make a good comedy movie. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And I think both of these are... I hesitate to really say good. I would say they're both fine. I enjoy both of them.
2: And I think that the emotion hits home in both of them.
1: Oh, do you? Pretty,
2: Pretty equally.
1: Okay, so the emotional moment that I'm assuming you're talking about is when when Peter Dinklage comes out of the coffin. Ev- all of the truth comes out. The photos literally fall at the feet of, of, the, of the main character's mom. So she's now aware of the affair her husband's been having. Everybody's aware that Peter Dinklage was just in the coffin. And chaos ensues but then the main character, Matthew McFadden or Chris Rock, just starts his eulogy again with a newfound confidence and with some spontaneity he just speaks from the heart Mm -hmm. about his father and how they could all stand to be a little bit more like his father which is a little confusing as the viewer not knowing anything about the man he's talking about but the message everything he's saying is quite clear personally in both movies i found myself not paying attention to that entire speech. So right. I don't know if the emotional moment super landed. I
2: wasn't specifically talking about that scene, but I think it's it's worth mentioning because I think that is the, the emotional climax of the movie. And I think in the British version, I agree, I found myself maybe a little bit wandering away. I don't know if I would go so far as to say that Matthew McFadden is not a charismatic actor, but I think that he did not pull that off with the same panache that... He should have. And I think Chris I like. Rocks was way shorter. Also, hadn't someone told him previously, like, you should be more spontaneous?
1: Yeah, that's what that was the advice that Martin Lawrence gave him.
2: Right. So, like, having gotten that advice and seeing him do it, it's like, uh, it has more to do with their relationship as brothers.
1: And I did pick up on that, and I thought, wow, that's a better design story. Mm-hmm. But I still didn't feel didn't the emotional the impact. Yeah. Yeah.
2: I didn't love the speech, but I think that it's like, uh, it's very cathartic at the end of the movie to be like, everybody shut the fuck up like, let me get this over with like, let me finally say what I need to say, and say it in a way that you're all going to listen
1: And it's the right way to end this story, so even if it doesn't land, it's, it's the right thing to do. If you were to remake this movie, what would you do different?
0: I've got the most scathingly brilliant idea
2: I think, like, I really like the script, and maybe that's why he was just like, this script doesn't need to be improved. Huh. I mean, it sounds like you would rather have more women be uh, playing interesting and funny roles. Yeah. At least, I mean, like, at least at minimum, that's one thing you would do, right?
1: Yeah, sure, and certainly. I think greater representation would be excellent for queer characters as well, as I said. The one change I'm considering making... Almost feels like a change that has already happened because I think there are some good moments in the twenty ten version that you and I were wondering were those ad libbed? Like when Chris Rock just turns around to his cousin and goes, "Act right," you know? Yeah, that's very funny. Uh, his delivery is great because he's Chris Rock. I wonder if there could have been more improvisation because with a movie like this, the actors really should just need to know this is what's happening mm-hmm. in the scene. Go for it. Like, I was recently reading an interview for some old 2014 movie. I'm not going to remember the name of it, but it's Jane Fonda with Tina Fey and Jason Bateman. And Jane Fonda's quoted as being like, okay, are you guys going to read the actual script today or just go with it? Because obviously, Tina Fey and Jason Bateman are more ready to do improv. And Jane Fonda says that she, she always goes by the script. I don't know. And now I'm maybe like meandering. I think improvisational comedy tends to land better. Not like a straight-up improv show, but, you know, you're given the scene and the characters get to say what they find funny at the time, and it feels more genuinely funny that way.
2: I think when you have actors that are known for playing certain types of characters, you need to give them free reign a little bit to mold their character more to what they're good at, you know, what their strengths as, as comedic actors are. And you're right, like, Chris Rock has lines that he delivers that weren't in the british movie but he delivers it because he's chris rock and he's like this is funny when i say it because i'm gonna say it like this right Mm -hmm. so i yeah i agree if you are gonna have you know get a get a movie with 10 or so famous comedians let them do their thing
1: imagine katherine o'hara as the mother of the main character i think i've solved a bunch of problems right there I mean, I was trying. I was thinking about just putting together a whole list of comedic actors who are good at improv, but, you know, everybody's got their own tastes. But
2: Do you think that it could have been better to know more about the father?
1: I think that's a different version of this movie, which could be good. Mm-hmm. I mean, we were talking about the emotional climax of the movie not really landing, and I think that's because this is in no way a dramedy or anything like that.
2: Yeah, it's not about the father's relationship to anybody, you know? But then the the climax is the eulogy, which is about Mm -hmm. literally that. Like, the father's relationship to everybody. The father's relationship with the world, right? Yeah. That's what a eulogy is.
1: So I think you could take the premise of this movie and make it a more dramatic-centered comedy, if you know what I mean. I do. But that's an option. I'm not saying that would be better. Frankly, honestly, I think it would be worse.
2: I think I liked both of these movies a little bit more than you did. They're not my favorite. Even so, I've really just been trying to figure out what I would do differently to make them more enjoyable, and I haven't figured anything out. Like, every time I'm replaying it in my mind, I'm like, oh, that was really funny. So maybe I don't need them to do something else, you know? Well, then should we uh, wrap it up there?
1: We should wrap it up. Thank you all for listening. This has been Two for One with Claire.